0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram and I hope you enjoy this episode. Klai Yisrael recently lost two extraordinary leaders. Hagayin, Rav David Feinstein, Zei Chesedek Rosh Shiva of Mesiftaferet Yerushalayim was one of the greatest poskim, if not the greatest possek of our generation. His guidance was sought by countless individuals from all walks of life and by numerous Jewish communal leaders and organizations. His greatness in Torah was matched only by his extreme level of anov, of humility. We've also suffered the loss of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Satsal, Chief Rabbi of the United Kingdom, whose eloquence through the spoken word and the written word projected the depth, the depth and beauty of Torah Judaism to countless people across the globe, both Jew and non-Jew alike, bringing with it an incredible sense of Kiddushem Shamayim. These two towering personalities could not be more different in terms of background, personality, and spheres of influence. But if we are to be inspired to try to fill the void created by their passing, it's essential that we make an effort to appreciate their respective legacies. Too often we live in isolated silos, and naturally we seek inspiration from role models who are more familiar to us, who are more aligned with the Haskafa, of the communities in which we live, and sometimes growing up in a very insular environment. So someone like that would probably never have had the opportunity to be roused by the words of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. On the other hand, someone with little or no exposure to the world of yeshiva, to the world of Orthodox Judaism, would probably not ever have heard of the one-of-a-kind greatness of Rabbi David Feinstein. Baruch Hashem, we have a broader perspective and we're familiar with, and especially if we can straddle the various world with, with worlds within the, the from community, we recognize that Qal Yisrael is not monolithic. Qal Yisrael needs and even thrives with all different kinds of leaders. It's perhaps ironic that two of the most prominent names in Jewish publishing are Art Scroll and Koren. If there's one person who has been the inspiration for Artscroll from its very inception until today, it's Rav David Zatzal. If you want to learn more about this, I would recommend that you read the marvelous biography of Rav Meir Zlatowicz, the founder of of Artscroll, which describes the profound love and admiration, mutual admiration and respect that that existed between Rav David and Rav Meir Zlatowicz. And if there is a rabbinic personality that has left an indelible imprint on Koran through his translation and commentary of the Siddur and with his many other books, it's Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Perhaps there's a hidden message here about the need for Klau Yisrael to come together and to appreciate that despite whatever shades of difference exist across the Ashkafic spectrum, we're ultimately, we ultimately are one people and it behooves us to treasure that unity. I would like to focus tonight on Rav David Zatzal, with whom I was blessed to have a warm connection with since childhood. A famous orator once remarked, All that has to be said has already been said, but not everyone has said it. The sentiments and the impressions that I will share with you have been noted by many others. But I believe that to some extent it's my personal responsibility to offer words of appreciation of Rav David, to personally share the teachings of my first Rebbe, the Posake of American Jewry, the Rosh Hashiva of Tvereth Yerushalayim, the Rebbe of the Lower East Side where I grew up, But also the Rav of my, and the Rav and the Posik of my family. My father came to MTJ just after his bar mitzvah. He continues to feel a connection until this very day. Rav David Zatzal was a unique blend of genius, intellectual greatness, combined with pashtus, down to earth simplicity. Rav David had shas on his fingertips. Rendering Pesach Halacha and the most complicated of shyness, without the need to have to think it through, sleep on it, or check sources. But at the same time, he carried himself without a shred of pretentiousness. He didn't convey a sense of stature. He carried himself like he was one of us, like Amcha, a Tayid. He could be spotted patronizing the local establishments on the Lower East Side, having breakfast at the pizza shop or even personally bending down to replenish the soda machine outside the Base Medrash. He'd be accessible to anyone who turned to him with a shaila of any kind from serious to, fr- to frivolous and everything in between. It could be an end-of-life issue, a hilchos ribbish question, a Yalav Yavu Shayla, or a question about the time for Hadlakas Neros, It could be an Etzah, it could be a Bracha, it could be someone who was a Nudnik who just needed to vent about something. Either way, Rav David heard the person out, would offer a response, which would usually be very succinct. He did not have a gabai that would discourage people from engaging with Rav David in conversation, and in fact, as his grandson mentioned it, the Levaya, he instructed those around him not to be too protective of his phone number or to prevent people from speaking to him. David's style was not flowery or verbose, and sometimes his succinct responses could feel disconcerting to someone who wasn't aware of that, to to someone who expected more discussion, more elaboration. Even knowing his style, we all sometimes wished that we could receive a psak that included more explanation. And I'd venture to say that most of us would sometimes try to find ways to keep the conversation going, to follow up. We were hungry for that, not because we doubted what he said, his psak chas but because there was a mystery behind his laser-like clarity. And we wanted to understand where it came from, the Dvar Hashem. Why did he paskin as he did? Coming from Abdavid, his brevity of response wasn't perceived as cold or distant. It was so obvious that he saw the answer clearly, and he was just communicating it directly. He exuded a sense of pleasantness, of ni'imus. He carried himself with an inner serenity and calm, a sense of amunapshuta. His trademark smile, which is evident in so many of the pictures, is a testament to his warmth and the serenity that one felt in his presence. I believe it may be helpful if I shared some of my own personal reflections of Rav David Zadshal and what he meant to me. I think there's a special meaning in hearing words directly from the heart of someone who's been touched by a Gadol. We know, And I hope that what I share with you can flesh out and reinforce the lessons that are emerging from the many articles that have been written already and will continue to be written, and the reflections of so many others. And more importantly, I hope that the very fact that they come from my heart and from personal memories will help to convey an impression of his greatness. So I was born and raised on the Lower East Side. My connection to Rav David goes back to my childhood and even before my father, he should be well, was a Talmud of Rav Moshe Zatzal and a contemporary Rav David. In fact, my parents first got a glimpse of one another when the Rav David had just been married a few years and one Hanukkah some 60 years ago, my father was visiting Rav David and my mother was visiting her friend, Rav David's wife, Rav Bitzin Malka. she should be well. Lower East Side apartments are not very large and they cannot help but see each other. As did most boys in the Lower East Side, I attended MTJ, the Sefer 3th Yishalayim, for elementary school. During those years, this is the mid to late 70s, I was Zoha to see Rav Moshe Feinstein on a regular basis, and I have vivid childhood memories of seeing Rav Moshe at the Yeshiva and in his home. In my mind, I can hear still the inflection of his voice as he said Kriyashma. Certain words of Kriyashma still reverberate in my head. I even remember his maybe his last Shabbos, HaGadol drasha and Shabbos Shuvah where he slept over at the yeshiva and he spoke in the yeshiva Shabbos afternoon. It's hard to adequately explain what it means to the psyche of a child or an adolescent to hear the sweet voice of a gadol In the memories, when one goes back and thinks about it, it cements an appreciation of tzidkus with an emotional memory. And the way such a memory warms my soul, at the same time is ever so humbling, it's a mechaiv, in my own tefillah, in my own kriyashma. And the mix of sentiments is ever-precious and it transcends words. The shul when my family Davind on Shabbos and Yantif was the yeshiva, was MTJ. My father was about tefillah for Yom Neroim for many decades. How connected I felt to the tefillah over all those years of my youth and my adolescence and beyond, knowing that my tefillah, my father's tefillah, and that of everyone else around us was mingling with the tefillah of the constant presence of Rav David. One of the things that will stay with me forever as a child, was how Rav David would regularly encourage me to take on responsibilities in shul, to daven for the Amid and Tulane. I can hear him saying, Yeah, l'chanan asher, go daven for the Amid. And I was really bashful in those years. It was it didn't always feel like I wanted to, but yet you can't say no to Rav David. He took personal pleasure and pride in serving as a mentor without articulating it it in those terms. And it was those many opportunities, the countless times, I can't even remember how many, that I would dive in Kabbalah Shabbos Friday night and I would rain, that built my confidence. When someone so much greater than yourself takes time to notice you, it gives you confidence, it gives you faith in yourself. What he did for me, he did for all the boys of the Lower East Side, all the boys in the yeshiva. It wasn't about me. It was about his desire to build other people up. Even when I went on for high school and Beis Medrash to the Mir in Brooklyn, and then on to Yeshiva Beis Yosef Nevardik in Brooklyn, MTJ was always something of a second home, a Beis Medrash that I would come back to to learn over Shabbos and Ben and whenever I have opportunities. And Rav David was always a constant presence. I can still recall Rav levaya in 1986 Tavshen Menvav and how devastating it was for all of us. We felt literally as if the world that we knew was collapsing, and then of course in a way it had. As Rashi writes in the pasuk in Vayetz Shava, Yitzias Tzaddik Menamokom and Panahoda Panaziva Panahadara. I even recall laying Shabbos minion during the shiva of Rav Moshe, I was the Balkore, it was Parashat Tzav, and it was right after that, right after the shiva, that Rav David, who always shunned the limelight, reluctantly was thrust into the position of Rosh Hashiva. It was his Hahtara, so to speak, his carnation taking over to be a Malamalkam for his father. In the late 1980s, I joined the Grusko Elyon of Ritz under the auspices of Avarin Khan, who is also a Lower East Sider, and Rosh Yeshiva along in the Yeshiva to this day, around the same time I received my formal smicha from MTJ, typical of Rav David's understated style, receiving the smicha klaf was very simple and unpretentious. It was written on regular MTJ stationery, it was signed by the Meshkiach, then Rav Michal Berenbaum Zatzal and Rav David. If I'm not mistaken, Rav David affixed his signature while standing in the hallway of the Yeshiva outside the Beis Medrash, no theatrics, no fancy ceremony. I'm not against it. I, it's well-deserved. It reflects Hashivas. But at the same time, there was something very genuine about the simplicity of it. And here I would add that for some Rashi Yeshiva in the Yeshiva world, the thought of going to and Ritz would seem maybe heretical, controversial. And I can tell you that for Rav David, there were no such compunctions. He recognized that Vayu was a makom Torah, as I noted, the Griskoa was under the auspices of Baron Khan, who was an Ada B. Sider who was very close to Rav David. And Bachlal, political labels and affiliations were just not on his radar. As a matter of fact, when the yeshiva had a shloshim in Lamport Auditorium for the Rav Zatzal, the two Rashi yeshiva from the yeshiva world who attended were Rav David Zatzal and Yibad L'Chayim, his brother Rav Ruven Shlita. Okay, so the memories are very strong. I remember Rav David being at my Sheva Brachas in MTJ in the dining room. Rabbi Simon was there. He reminds me of it. I don't remember the details, but he does. And again, it's part of my, my kishkes in terms of my connections and my and my feelings. Whenever I published a new sefer, I'd make a point of personally bringing a copy to Rav David. He was always kind enough to express appreciation. I remember once he gave me a bracha to publish many more svarim. I also recall mentioning to me once that something that I'd written in one of the publications in Yeshiva, I think it was Beis Yosef Shoal, was quoted by Rapsvika Tzvika Reisman of Valet in one of his early svarim. I don't think that what I wrote was the most compelling thing that Rav David would have noticed it, and he made a point of mentioning it to me. But, but again, it was an example of his chesed, and of course it made me smile. And over the years, I've had many opportunities Baruch Hashem to bring my children to Rav David for brachis, which they remind me today that they cherished so much. He had a way of making children feel very comfortable with his smile, his lack of pretentiousness, and again, as so many have already noted, his good-natured ability to pose for pictures with patience, and all that shows you how much he wanted to give to others. For the past six or seven years, I've invited Talmidim and in my shir to join me at Rav David's annual Haggadah Pesach shir that he gave every year, about a week before Pesach. This year was extremely popular. It drew people from all ages, from all different walks of life. Rav David's plain, down-to-earth style was so refreshing and so disarming. It made it easy to take in the timely and relevant messages. Just in the past few days since the passing of Rav David, I've received a number of calls from Talmudim, who are, have since moved on, they've graduated, and they call to express appreciation. First, they want to express Tan if you will, and also to express appreciation for giving the opportunity to see Rav David in person over all those years that they remember going to the Haggadish year. For me and for many like me, it's hard to absorb that Rav David is not here with us anymore. As we said before the Moshe, Pana Hoda, Pana Ziva, Pana Hadara. Rav David was interviewed several years ago about his father Rav Moshe. And he's reported to have said that we should not be focusing on his father's brilliance in Torah, how many times he finished Shas, etc. But we should focus on his midos tovos, his Chesed, and his Masim Tovin. Because it's that that people will be inspired to be like, to emulate. And I have no doubt that Rav David would not want us to dwell on his mastery of Torah, and his Koach Hapsach, his incredible power to paskin Shilas without having to go back over the sources. With regard to that, Rav David was in a league of his own. As we said, he fielded Shilas, the most difficult of Shilas, from far and wide. But what made Rav David so unique? And this was articulated by Rav Shmuel Kaminetsky Shliṭa at the Levaya, He said Rav David was a min atsmo literally one of a kind, and that is how his brilliance was masked by the extraordinary Anava. We throw the term Anava around very loosely, but I can tell you, and so many can tell you, that for Rav David it was his quintessential trait. Kovod meant literally nothing to him. At the Siam Hashas, last January 1st, Rav David was supposed to receive the honor of being Mishayim Shas in front of 90,000 people at MetLife Stadium he demurred and he asked that Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky have the honor. Just imagine that. Rav Shmuel got up, he was very choked up, and he acknowledged how Rav David, it was a simple thing for Rav David, probably was a simple thing because of Rav David's natural anova, but it's an incredible illustration of that. Although Rav David was completely confident in his ability to paskin, he never imposed his tzach on others. His son, Rav Mordechai, spoke at the Levaya, he mentioned then that Rav David was comfortable sharing his opinion when asked but did not insist that everyone follow it. At the Levaya, I was walking with Rabbi Eziu the executive director of the Agudah, and he shared with me the following story. A few years ago, he said about 15 years ago, at the Agudah convention, Rav David never liked to speak publicly, but one year they prevailed on him to give a sheer. The Shia was on the topic of refuah and halacha, healing, and he dealt with some very sensitive end-of-life issues, and he offered his opinion in halacha. After he finished, there was a woman present. She worked for Bikur Cholim. She got up in front of everyone present. She began to complain that something Rav David said was overly lenient, and we don't do things this way. She basically implied that Rav David didn't have a right to have such a sack to say such a thing, and he was wrong. So Rav David, this is what Rabbi Zubel told me, Rav David let her go on and on without any interruptions or any attempts at defending his position or his kavod. When she concluded her words, he simply said to the audience, Okay, so now you have another opinion. Can you imagine? It's well known that Rav David was very spearing with his words. This mida. Was noted by his father, Rav Moshe Zadzah, who said the following on the occasion of Rav David's 25th anniversary. This is recorded in the Sefer Kol Ram in Pashas Vayakel. If you want to look it up, he said, All know his greatness in Torah and overall conduct. Gamken Dader, lahamit He also has a shita to limit his speech. But on the other hand, Masha Lomar, who birura, where he has to say, he says with clarity. Rav David's humility and his self-restraint in speech went as far as embodying a Mida that Chazal referred to as hanelovim Ovin, shomin cherpasam people who even when they are insulted have the self-discipline not to respond in kind. Rav Baruch Moskowitz used to learn with Rav David for about 26 years on a daily basis, and he's written now two volumes of V'dibar Tabam, which are tshuves of Rav, that he discussed halachic issues with Rav David. After wording a sugya, he would discuss Rav Dov, with Rabdavid David how Rav David felt the halacha should follow, and he recorded uh, those pshakim in his sefer. And he said at a hesbid the other night in Tarvadas the following story that he himself experienced. He was in the back of Rav David's office. The office was called the co-office. It really was like, like a storage for soda cans and other things. And there were shelves with svarin. There was a divider in the room. So Ravi Moskowitz was in the back of the room looking up at something in a safer. Rav David was in the front of the room sitting at a desk. And a person, he overhears, Rav Moskowitz overhears from the back of the room, someone enters the office where Rav David was seated. Before long, he began to hear the person who entered the room heaping all kinds of insults at Rav David. Rav David remained completely silent throughout and did not say a word. Rabbi Matskiewicz says he was cringing in the back area, completely frozen at a loss of what to say and what to do. Finally, the man left and when Rabbi Matskiewicz came out, he was astounded that Rav David simply engaged him in regular conversation as if nothing had happened, not emoting, not processing, not speaking badly of the person, literally not speaking about the person at all. There was literally nothing to discern on his face that anything had occurred of what we described. And I was thinking that this extraordinary level of Anova, just over Shabbos, This thought occurred to me. It's not just that it masked Rav David's greatness, but it actually contributed to it. And that's maybe because there's a fascinating comment by the Baliatosus al Tora relating to two psukim at the end of Parshas Khayisara, which is the Shabbos after the Levaya. The psukim tell us the names of the children of Yishmael. These are just names, you wouldn't think twice about them. One pasuk states, in the middle of the three pasukim that list, the twelve names, Umishma, Duma, Umasa. Three names. The next pasik continues with another five names, the Tema, Yitur, Nafish, Vakedma. Says one of the commentaries from the Baliatosos, the following remez. The first Pasek, Umishma, Duma, Umasa, refers to someone who hears himself being insulted. Umishma he hears... The Duma, he's quiet, he's silent. Umasa, and he bears it. And the next passage continues. Chadad, the Tema, what's the reward for that? He'll become sharp, Chadad, and he'll be able to say over the Tema. He'll be able to say over Torah. Yitur, he'll be able to guard Nafish, the many mitzvos that exist. Nafish means a lot. Valkedma, that were given in the Torah many, many years ago. The Chida, in the Sefer Pnei David, quotes this pshat, and he says, it's also hinted in what we say in the L'Kain Sor. We say, We ask that Hashbruch brochu to have the ability that if people are going to step on us, so to speak, we won't feel it. We won't feel a a need to get back at the person and we'll be able to be, really just, be able to handle it. And with that, Pshach Lidi secha. Over sechar, tirdof nafshi. We ask right afterwards, in that merit, that we open up, Hashem opens up our heart to Torah and to pursue mitzvahs. There's another connection between Avdavid and Parshas Chayi Sara, and that has to do with the famous expression, Derech Eretz Kadma LaTorah. The author of Shulbatka has a lengthy essay on this topic, and he develops it in connection to the story of Rivka's Chesed that's described in the Parsha. And he elaborates and says, as important as we know are the details and Minusheh of Halacha, so are the fine details of Menschlichkeit, Ben Adam Machavero, And he analyzes how you see in the story of Rivka, every aspect of Har Chesed reflects an aspect that we can learn from about Derech Eretz. Rav Sadok used to point out, it's in many places in his Svarim, that Sefer Bereshis, which is the first of Chamisho Chom Torah, is the preface, the prelude to Sefer Shmos, which is Matan Torah, from the perspective of Derech Eretz Torah. Sefer Breshis is a Sefer of Abde- Derech Eretz, Sefer Shmos is now Torah. In a similar vein, the Nitziv, in his introduction to Sefer Breshis, has a beautiful insight about why Chazal referred to this Sefer as Sefer Hayashar, which is a reference to the Avos who are Yasharim. What does it mean to be a Yashar, says the Nitziv, the hallmark of Yashrus is the ability to show tolerance, to show benevolence to others, even those we might strongly disagree with. Rav David completely embodies this quality of Yashrus, of Derech Eretz Kadmalatora. Torah. Rav David's innate sense of Yashrus made him recoil from any semblance of Machlokas. He would be loath to sign strident Kokore's proclamations that would stir controversy, like Rab Moshe before him, his Piske Halacha and his Etzos would often take into consideration the values of Shalom and the avoidance of Machlokis. One of the people who would often ask Rav David Halachic Shilas, Rabbi Aaron Melman, he reports that whenever his question would begin with, in this community there's a dispute amongst the Rabbanim about X or Y, what does Rab David, what does Rosh Hashiva think? Rav David, having heard that there's a dispute among Rabbanim, and he's being asked to weigh in, he would look down, he'd refuse to utter a word, not wanting to get involved in a machlokas. In my recently published book on Anim's miros, I record a story which is a humorous illustration of how Rav David's clarity of thought effectively resolved a controversy that was beginning to turn ugly. And I'm going to quote just a few lines. This is a story that was shared with me by a person who i know from the lower east side he he says a fellow member of his bungalow colony wished to introduce the week, the weekly recitation of anims mirrors for every Shabbos. but his lobbying efforts were met were met with fierce and heated opposition creating a schism within the ordinarily peaceful summer community people can become very uh, strident about their opinions whatever however big however small so with as the person described it, it was going to come to blows, literally. It was decided to present the issue to David Feinstein, whose verdict would be accepted by all parties. After being informed of the controversy and other relevant details pertaining to the particular bungalow colony, Rav Feinstein noted that inasmuch as the structure that housed the shul was dilapidated and lacked a sense of grandeur, it would not be appropriate to recite the she'er ha'kavod in such a non-respectful setting with such an answer rev david was able to effectively validate the sensitivities of the people who petitioned him and their concern and yet advise against introducing a change that would upset half of the island everyone was happy consistent with the notion of derech eretz Torah and doachei noam Many of the psalkim of Rav David reflect a sensitivity and a deference to communal norms. Rav David has been noted also by many others. He was not fond of jumping on the bandwagon of a new chumra, even if it seemed to have a solid halachic basis. He might acknowledge privately to a person, to an individual, okay, if you want to adopt the chumra, fine. But he would not want this to become a weapon that would cast aspersions on what... This the, meeting is being recorded. Rabbi, I think you froze. Okay. But I think you're to mute. Okay. Okay. Is right. that better? Yeah, perfect. Thank okay you so much. Rabbi David was not fond of Chumras. If someone had a basis for the Chumra, he would say, fine, you want to do it, fine. But he'd not did not want to become a weapon that would cast aspersions on what people were doing on Minog HaOlam, as long as what they were doing was technically acceptable. I want to share with you a piece of a medrash in Parshat Tzav, because this is actually the source in Chazal for the expression Derech Eretz Kadma LaTorah. This medrash is fascinating on many levels. It develops the idea of Derech Elz Kadmoa Torah, associates it with a Pasuk and Parshas Bereshis, Derach Derech the 26 generations that preceded Matan Torah. There's a lot here, but I want to focus just on the story that the Medrash tells us, and I think it's so perfect to appreciate Rav David through the prism of this Medrash and the story told by the Medrash. So the story is as follows. Again, you find it in Parshas Tzav. Ma'aseh was walking on the road, and he sees somebody who looked very distinguished. Ra Adam So Rabbanai sees such a person, he imagines he must be a huge Talmud Chacham. He invites the person in to come in and, and have some food in his house. Would you accept my hospitality? The person accepted. So hichniso lebeso So Rab- Yana gave him a full course meal, gave him a lot to eat, a lot to drink, and now it's time to talk and learning. So he began to probe what does this person have to say about different areas of Torah. kol bimikra. So he began to talk in Khumish Tanach, Lomitsoh. And the person seemed to know nothing. He didn't, he just didn't have the, the knowledge. Bimishnah. He tried talking Mishnah. Velomitso, Baagada, Vlomitso, Batamad, whatever it was he tried, the person seemed ignorant. So at that point, Rav yanai realized, okay, we're not going to get anywhere here. Okay, at least, Birchas he asked him to lead benching. He says, Sav Berich. So here, say Birchas HaSamazon, Zimun. So the person responds, Yivarach Yanai Bevese. It's your house, you do it. Apparently he couldn't even recite Birchas Amazon. That's how much of an Am Ha'aretz he was. So, Rav Yana said the following, as reported in the Medrash. He says, say after me. Isbach ana Can you say, repeat after me? He says, that I can do. So, Rav Yana said, say the following. A dog has eaten of Yanai's bread. <coughs> Come, Tafse, this man got up and grabbed on to Ryanai and he said, Gabach, my inheritance is with you. The you're holding back my inheritance, my heritage. Ravyani asked, What does that mean? What do you mean? My what do you mean my your inheritance is by me? says the person. I remember once I was passing the school and I heard the voice of children in the cheder and they were saying the following, Torah, Chiva Lanu, Moshe, Morasha, Kihilas, Yaakov. It didn't say, Morasha, Kihilas, Yanai, the inheritance of the Kihilas, Yanai. It says, Kihilas, Yaakov. It's not an exclusive club. It's not just for you. Not just for the elite. So Rav Yane was obviously taken aback and he realized this person has something going for him. And he began to probe, tell me, why did you have this merit to eat at my table? Rav felt somehow this person came to his house and ate of his food. There must be some schos he has. So the person tells Rav two things. Mi Number one, I never heard a bad word and responded in kind. are two pshatim in the Mitharshi One is that it means what I just said. In other words, if someone insulted me, I never responded to that person in kind with another insult. Another pshat is that if I heard someone saying something negative about someone else, I would never report back to the person who was set on, because that would be called rechilos. I never did that. I never engaged in rechilos. I never engaged in insulting a person back. The second thing he says, I never saw two people who were fighting with each other, and I didn't find a way to reconcile between them. So Rab'yana responds with that Kol hada Derech Eretz Gabach. You have this incredible level of Derech Eretz, the Karisach Kalba, and I've called you a dog. And it goes on to say Rabbani had a new interpretation of a pasuk in, in Tehillim, and it connects it with Derech Eretz Kadma Latorah. Now there is so much to unpack in this medrash, and I've actually spoken and written about it in other times, other places. I want to just emphasize the most obvious takeaway message from this vignette. Look at the study in contrast. Here you have Rabbi Yanai, the great Rabbi Yanai, the brilliant Tamad Chacham, cannot imagine that this ignoramus, this ama'aretz, has any redeeming qualities. On the other hand, you have a man who's a total ama'aretz, knows nothing of Torah, not Mikra, not Mishnah, not Agada, can't even bench. And yet he has a way to expose the condescending attitude of Rav he accuses Rav of taking away his heritage. He invokes that pasuk of Torah, Tziva, Lano, Moshe, Moroshe, Kiras Yaakov, it's not just for you, it belongs to me as well. Don't write me out. And that's what leads Rav to think twice about what he was thinking before. And he has an epiphany. And he appreciates now the the idea of Derech Eretz and how that is so essential to Torah. I'm thinking about this medrash. Obviously, what's the obvious takeaway message? Don't get too wrapped up in your elitism that you know so much and you can dismiss the humanity of someone who knows less or someone who knows nothing. Everyone has redeeming qualities. And if you search hard enough, you'll discover that and you discover your own shortcomings at the same time. And to me, that was Rav David. His Derech Eretz was the antithesis of the image described in the Medrash of Rav Yannay. Rav David could sit down with anybody, however much, however little Torah they knew, and they would feel comfortable in his presence. He had a knack for connecting with Amcha, the average person. I would notice on numerous occasions I think we're reconnecting now. Again, it's... uh, Okay, Okay, everyone can hear again? I'm this sorry. This is being recorded. Okay, I, I, I myself saw on numerous occasions Rav David would be shopping in the, local, in the local bakery, in the kosher store on the east side. On the day of the Levaya, I was parking my car in front of a shoe repair, which was a, a shoe repair shop a few blocks away from MTJ. I stopped in to say hello to Eric, who I know from many years ago he shared with me that the rabbi was one of his regular customers. And I asked Eric, do you have a story? Yes. Okay. Sorry about the technical difficulties. I asked Eric, do you have a story to share about the rabbi? So he shared with me, again, as I said, the rabbi was one of his regular customers, and he said a few years ago, he received a bracha, a blessing from Rav David, when a competitor opened up a shoe repair shop on the next block. He did other things besides repairing shoes, and Eric felt like, wait a second... <laughs> He, can't, he can not He do all the other things, but let him leave, she will appear for me. He came to Rav David and he asked, can I summon the person to a din Torah, to a beidin? So Rav David told him, Parnassa is from Hashem and all would be fine. Gave him a bracha. Within a few months, the other person's shop closed down and Eric was doing better than ever. I was very moved by the story. I said, Eric, do you mind sharing the story on video? And I videoed the story and I have it. I came home, I showed the video to my wife, who's a therapist. And she's listening to the video and she was struck by the way in which Eric spoke about how he seeked the rabbi's advice, he sought his advice, and he received the bracha and the encouragement. To this day, this is years later, he's talking about how it lifted his spirits, the warmth, the attachment. He felt valued, he felt loved, he felt taken care of by the rabbi. That ability to connect with the common person wasn't just Rav David's nature, it was a shita. I believe it was a conscious shita and ideology. I recall an insight from one of the Haggadah shal Pesach that I heard from Rav David that year that illustrates it, this point. Rav David explained, why do we respond to the Chacham in the Haggadah with the halacha of Ein Pesach Hafikoman? We, That's what we tell him. The halacha is that you're not allowed to eat other food after the afikoman. Why? Because we don't want the taste of the matzah to go away from your mouth. Said Rav David, just as we don't want the physical taste of the matzah to disappear, we want it to remain in your mouth. So we tell the chacham, come down from the intellectual RV tower. It's, you're in your head, too much in your head taste the experience of freedom on a visceral level, on an emotional level, like the regular person. You can't just escape from the reality of human emotions and just go into your head. Just like you have to feel the taste in a physical way of the Afikoman, so Chacham, you have to balance your Chachma with a very down-to-earth quality as well. You have to feel the Chayros on a very human level. That was Rav David's insight into the Haggad, the beautiful Drush, but really it captures his whole essence. And I saw this countless times, how he would carry himself in the presence of others who would wander into the halls of MTJ, into the Beis who would corner him while he was in the pizza shop. If I could just sum it up, I would say, there's a Gemara in Megillah that many people say a Motsi Shabbos. And this statement is Said regarding a Kaddish Baruchu, but this is the me that I think that personifies Rav David, epitomizes Rav David. The Makom Shatamotse Sham Atamotse anvesanuso. My Rebbe Raleigh Brudney noted in a Hespit he gave earlier a few days ago that if you study the famous Igeres Ramban, which focuses heavily on the quality of Anova, you go through that letter of the Ramban, you will discover that Rav David literally personified all the aspects written in that letter of the Ramban. And it's perhaps no wonder that the stories abound about brachos that Rav David gave that were fulfilled, that were m'kuyen. The Ramban talks about from nova you experience something akin to Ruach Kodesh. I know that my family and I have taken upon ourselves to work on these qualities more consciously than ever before and I hope that everyone who's listening all of klaus Yisrael should be inspired to find an area of inadama of chesed, of anava, of pastus that we can all strengthen in his chus as well. Yehizich Baruch. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.